All right, what's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Saturday Standouts. With me, as always, is my co-host, Ethan Carboni. How are you doing, Ethan? And we'll get into letting everybody know what we're doing here in a minute. You know, there's an obvious, there's a different background than we're used to, so there's some exciting stuff that we're going to be getting into. But, Ethan, how are you doing today, my man? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing good, man. I, I'm excited. I'm about to accept a new job offer, so I'm going to be getting out of Tallahassee. So that's something that I'm looking forward to. But um, let's just go ahead and jump into it, man. We got a, we got a full night tonight. We got an awesome uh, interview. And without further ado, we're going to go ahead and bring this um, this guy in. He, he's a USF defensive lineman um, right there in Tampa, Florida. And Rayshon Yates, how are you doing tonight, Rayshon? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, y'all good? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Doing well. Actually, the job that I just accepted is in Tampa. So I'm going to be right there across from my office. is going to be right there across from Raymond James Stadium. So I'm pretty stoked about that. Um, but, Ethan, you want to go ahead and, and jump into, you know, our first questions for Rayshon tonight? Yeah, sure. Uh, Rayshon, just starting off in your recruiting process, I'm a huge fan of recruiting, 247, all that. I want to work there in the future. Yeah. But why did you decide to commit to USF? You had so many offers including, I believe, 13 Power Five. So what made USF so special over some other top schools like Louisville and Iowa State? Um, my big thing was mainly I factored in everything pretty much. So I thought about where I'm going to play at, where I'm going to live, because for the most part, you're only playing football for six, five months of the, of the year. Other than that, you're just living there. So I chose to live in Tampa. I like living in Tampa. So um, – also, the, at the time, it was uh, Charlie Strong that offered me and their staff. So, you know, I mean, I had a good relationship with the staff and um, their scheme. Defense was a big thing for me. The scheme was I didn't just go somewhere because of nice jerseys and all this. I just thought I factored in everything pretty much. So that was a big thing. Relationships, where I lived. Um, also, my pe my parents can come to the games, stuff like that. So I factored in a lot of that pretty much. Yeah, and you're originally from uh, South Florida, Port St. Lucie. I've been through there a, a few times. So being close to family and everything, I, I, I guarantee you, is probably a huge thing, especially for, I mean, for me as well. I like staying close to home, you know, having family in a drivable range and things like that. Um, but a little bit, you said you, you were offered by the Charlie Strong staff and everything. How is that transition um, now with Jeff Scott? I mean, you've been with them for one year now. How is that transition and how are you enjoying, you know, the new coaching staff? And he came from Clemson, so you, you know he's part of a big-time program and has seen a lot. Yeah, it's good. Um, it's just a little different because of my old staff being old. It was mostly it was a lot of older dudes, and um, it was mostly like a since it's Charlie Strong, a defensive minded team. So now we're going to an offensive minded team. From him being an offensive coordinator, it's like more offensive minded in certain aspects. But um, I like it. You know, what I mean, it's um at the at the end of the day, every coach's goal is the same thing: is to win. So if I feel like if they their goal is to win, and my goal is to win, I think we get along. It doesn't matter what. <laughs> I mean, that's no, that's important to me. So, but yeah, I like him. I like the new staff and the new people we got. Mentioning winning, you've been there for three years now? Yeah, three years. You know, yeah. Due to COVID, all athletes were granted an extra year of eligibility. I'm curious, as of right now, do you have any plans for that? Are you planning uh, on using the extra year? Or are you planning on going right to the draft? Just, if you have an amazing season, what's the goal here? I'll probably think about more about that after the season, but it's more, yeah, it all depends on the season. So it's all on me pretty much, how I do all the season and – We'll see from there pretty much. It's just how I do this year. After that, then I'll probably figure that out for sure. Yeah, for it's sure. awesome. And then, um, you know, kind of going off of, you know, obviously got the extra year of COVID and everything. And there's also new rules in place for the NCAA right now that we just saw happen uh, just about a week ago um, today, actually, with name, image, likeness being passed by the NCAA. Well, Florida was already going to have that. 
happen, whether the NCAA approved it or not. Florida yeah. was going to allow that. And I saw on your on your um, Twitter profile, you're, you are now a barstool athlete. So um, give us a little background on that and what you plan to do with your, your name, image and likeness moving forward. Um, yeah, I just I, I when I seen everything going along, I just started applying, really, you know, what I mean, get my name out there. So um, I, I really um, I expect to do a lot with that because eventually when it's my time to step away from football one day, I want to be an entrepreneur and have my own businesses and stuff like that. So trying to get it started now, get my name out there. And um, pretty much, yeah, that's my, my biggest thing is like they basically told us you're going to have to do everything on your own. You got to put your name out there. You got to promote yourself. We can't help you. Nobody's going to help you do it. So my biggest thing is just get my name out there and working hard pretty much just to get out there so I can make money and do everything with my brand pretty much. So it's, it all depends on me at the end of the day, how I do. No, for sure. We're rooting for you. And then yeah. going into like a couple months ago, they announced they're moving to a 12 team playoff. Mm -hmm. What's your opinion on that? Should it be short? Should it be a longer playoff? And then potentially, because they're doing it to like influence have more teams and they're potentially more group of five teams. Do you think that potentially that they should split off and do a group of five playoff along with the regular playoff? Um, to answer the first question, I do agree with the 12 um, team playoff because if you see it every year, a lot of teams that really should have the chance to make it don't make it. So, I mean, it's like, for instance, sometimes the number five team, there's only four teams that can make it. The number five team is probably good enough to beat maybe the number one team. They don't ever get the chance. And in schools like my school, like um, I know who got this year, who got pretty close with Cincinnati, got pretty close. You know what I mean? If it was a, this year, the Cincinnati would have been able to have a chance to play against those teams. So I, I, I do think that it's um, it's a good thing, definitely, because, I mean, it's just like um, pretty much like any like basketball. You know how much teams get, to, get a chance to go to the – you know what I mean? They have an actual chance of making it. Now in football, it's four teams. So um yeah, I, I like that they expanded it. And um the other question, what was your your uh second question again? Could you see it being more beneficial instead of expanding to do a group of five playoff? That way there's no potential complete blowouts in a playoff and making them instead of having potential quote irrelevant playoff games, kinda like how people say meaningless bowl game, they might just have a full group of five playoff where the best group of five teams face each other. Then you have the top four seeds, top six seeds, regardless of conference or whatever, play each other. Yeah, I mean, I just think that that 12-man playoff sounds pretty good. You know what I mean? More teams, you know what I mean? Yeah. That's why I, I think that's good. It's, it's less complicated. It's like you, after that, right. you can't say we should have made it in. You have 12 teams. You know what I mean? Never in the sports, right. the history of sports, has never been anything like that where you have 12 teams ready to, you know what I mean, get a chance. So, I mean, I think we should be grateful with 12 teams being able to make it, <laughs> to be honest. Agreed. Yeah, I, I mean, I completely agree with you. I think maybe 12 might be pushing it a little it too be, much. Um, might even be pushing it. <laughs> what did you say? I said it might even be pushing it, so we're great. Yeah, it, it might be pushing it a little bit. 12 teams is a lot of teams. You know, some teams, you know, you might look at it and be like, mm, you know what, maybe not. So, I, like, my perfect scenario is I would like eight. I think eight might be, like, a perfect amount, but I agree with you. I think the expansion needed to happen because we're all tired of seeing Notre Dame, Clemson, Alabama, at least those, those three – and an Oklahoma in there every single year, and it just and gets you know boring. how it's going to end up. You know how it's going. Oh, to I've end been bored of that for a while. Yeah, you know how it's going to end up. Yeah, and then at that time, if you even look at it from that perspective, ratings for for those people watching, that's going to go down because people don't want to continuously watch. That's the same what people got to make sense of. It's all about ratings. People watching TV is like okay. People are going to get tired of they. I know they've noticed that the ratings gone down. That's what people understand too. Is like 
people are like, oh my God, they're giving more people a chance because they want to make it fair. It's not about being fair. They don't <laughs> care about making it fair. They want more people to watch. Now you because it brings people. in this. Yeah, it brings in it. That's why people got to realize. So, yeah. But a lot of people don't know that. So, but yeah, that's what they're doing <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. Moving from the playoff to like how your team's going to do, I talked with like Josh Pay and a couple other analysts. Yeah. And all the analysts have you seemingly going middle of the pack, anywhere from five and seven to seven and five. You guys have a very difficult schedule this year. What's going to be some keys to the season? And do you think that you can break those predictions? Um, yeah, cause at, the end of, at the end of the day, it's all predictions. You know what I mean? Because sometimes you got teams who are highly rated and they're supposed to bloat everybody and they just don't win anything. And you got other teams where they're not rated nothing and they come up and start playing. So it's all going to depend on how we do, you know what I mean, how we come together, coaches and players at a collective, and if how bad we want it. At the end of the day, that's what I feel like. Because as you see, like, even schools smaller than us, Sometimes they come up doing some crazy stuff like Coastal. If you would have, if you would have asked the year, like before the year, if you would have said, "Do you think Coastal is going to come out here and start beating everybody like that?" People would have been like, "Who is Coastal?" Probably. You know <laughs> I mean? So, but yeah, so it doesn't matter. I feel like it just depends how we play. We had a good schedule. I'm excited. You know what I mean? So it all depends on how offense plays, how defense plays, and how the coaches come together. It's just all collective. But yeah, I think that's, that's awesome to see too. I mean. You- you guys are going to be playing some some big name schools. I mean, just looking at the schedule, yeah, NC State and Florida right off the bat. Um, the those are going to be two you know exciting games. BYU, SMU, um, the Temple, Houston, Cincinnati, and UCF. Um, so y'all got some some big name you know opponents there on the schedule. So I'm looking forward you know to tuning in and, and watching some of those and you know watching you play as well. It's going to be exciting. Hell yeah, mm-hmm. it's going to be good. I, I think it's going to be good. All right. I have one last question going back to your recruiting process, just because again, that's probably my favorite aspect to college sports. Yeah. Uh, do you have any like funny stories during your recruiting process or like one moment that stands out completely? Um, one moment that stands out completely to me, probably I took a visit to, um, I took a visit to Maryland and they just told me I was taking a visit and everything like, yeah, you're going to come up here, look around the school and stuff like that. And um, when I got there, they wanted me to compete in their camp. I didn't even know they were having a camp. So I came in like I came in regular clothes and they kept telling me, Hey, yeah, we want you to do the camp today. And I kept saying, like, no, I'm probably not trying to do it because I wasn't even warmed up. I didn't do anything. I didn't I just was there just I got off the plane and was walking on school and now they want me to do a camp in ninety degree like degree heat. <laughs> Eventually they put they, they pushed me to doing the camp. They're like, Yeah, we'll give you we'll let you wear gear to get to the camp, you know, we'll give you everything you need. I eventually started doing the camp and I was damn near dying because I didn't expect to do the camp. So I mean, <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. Them doing that hurt their chances more than it did help their chances because I didn't want to. I just was trying to do a visit. And y'all tell me now I gotta do all crazy behind drills in in this damn heat. So yeah, that was probably one of them that was kind of like stuck out to me. And not being prepared, but you weren't eating. You weren't prepared, so that might make might hurt you a little bit more than it helped you. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I, I kind of threw me off a little bit. I'm not gonna lie. Another reason why Maryland finishes at the bottom of the Big Ten every year. But yeah. also talk about your your. <laughs> All right, Caleb, you're not bad. What happened? What'd you say? It kind of glitched out real quick. What'd you say, Ethan? Your Wi-Fi glitched out. Repeat yeah, yourself. Yeah, I couldn't hear you. Oh, oh, um, um, going back to your recruiting, um, you took a lot of visits. You know, all, every recruit does. Um, what was your favorite? You know, visit like you, you do you ever go to like um, I'm trying to look at at who you went and visited, but um, you had some big name schools on, on your on your list and. Um, com- not commitment list, but, um, you know, 
offer list or, you know, you went and visited camps and, and things of that nature. What was your favorite overall, you know, experience or, you know, school when it came to campus or, you know, how beautiful, who did it up most the right way that you were like just blown away by the whole thing? Um, I probably enjoyed maybe the most, I guess you could say probably USF only because it's in Florida. I knew some, I was already committed at the time. So I knew a lot of people on my visit and stuff like that. You know what I mean? So, and plus it was in Florida. I love Florida generally. That's why I stayed really because I love Florida. So anything Florida. So I was just like, I, that's pretty, that's probably, I had the best relationship with my coaches that I committed to. So I probably had to say uh, USF. Yeah, definitely. And USF, um, their campus is literally right across from Bush Gardens, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yep, literally right across, five minutes down the road. So how how often you make how often you make it over there? <laughs> you know what's crazy? I only been there once. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. Nah, I only been there. I've been there. It's funny. I went there once because we had a bowl game in Tampa my freshman year. So we just they took us to Bush Gardens because it's like, I guess some people they would think, oh, you go to Bush Gardens all the time. It's like Bush Gardens is expensive. <laughs> it's, not it's not cheap. I bet you if you ask the UCF players how much times you go to Universal or Disney World or something like that, they're probably going to be like, we don't go all the time because it costs money to do that. It costs yeah. over $100 to go there every day. So, But, yeah, I do a lot of other stuff in Tampa, though, but Bush Gardens I don't really go to like that. Yeah, and then um, just just one more quick thing. I, I know you had mentioned um, before we came on, since I, I graduated from Florida State and I'm a Florida State fan and everything, that you know you grew up being a Florida State fan and, and liking them. Um, going over to the NFL side of things, what is your favorite NFL team? I'm a Giants fan. All right. What what, what made you be a, a Giants fan? I'm really a fan of, like, whoever my dad is. So growing up, like, my dad's a New York everything fan and a Florida State fan. So, like, I like the Yankees. I like the Knicks. I like, you know what I mean, all those all the New York teams I like. And then Florida State as for college. That's where I grew up liking. So anything he liked, I just pretty much followed him. Well, that's awesome. Uh, you get yeah. some good teams up there in New York, so you know can't complain there really for you. So, uh, anything else, Ethan? Honestly, just thank you for coming on. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Y'all boys keep, keep in contact, bro. It was nice talking to you. Of course, we will. I I appreciate you as well coming on, Rayshon. Um, I'm gonna go ahead and grab your number from Ethan if you don't mind. I mean, I'm moving to yeah, Tampa yeah, sure. here very soon. Um, yeah. so I'm gonna, I'm gonna try and link up with you, you know, over there in Tampa, we'll get into yeah, something. I'll give, so I'll give you the spots, bro. It's a lot of stuff to do. A lot of stuff to do out here, bro. For yeah, real. absolutely. I love it. I, I've been there a few times, but, um, looking forward to moving down there and getting into it even more. And, uh, thank you again for coming on. Yeah. I appreciate y'all, man. Thank you. Thank you. All right. That was a great interview. And dude, that was only 15 minutes. So Caleb, you want to move into our next topic? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we're, we're going to keep it here in, you know, the group of five teams and, you know, speak on that some more. But um, what a great guy. First off, let me go ahead and say that. Um, Rayshon Yates, defensive lineman out of South Florida. Thank him again for coming on. He was a, he was an excellent interviewer. Um, I love to or interviewee. I love to get him on again. Love to stay in contact with him, like I mentioned before. But thank you to Rayshon for coming on. Um, we'll be able to send this clip over to him if he would like it as well. So. Um, but yeah, going back in, um, going into, I guess, are they still in the same conference here in the AAC? Yep. Uh, yeah, so we're sticking here in the AAC. And this has been a team that has really been picking up on the recruiting trail. Um, I'm sure a lot of you guys who are paying attention to the show right now pay attention to recruiting in college football. So that team that you have seen pick up a whole lot of steam here on the recruiting trail 
has been SMU over there in Dallas, Texas, the big D, if you will. They've got some good coaches over there right now. You see what they have able to been able to build these past couple years. Um, I don't remember who their head coach necessarily is, but I know who their defensive coordinator is and um, Jim Levitt, who is a all-time great defensive coordinator. You've seen him all over the place. Um, he was at, spent time at Oregon when Willie Taggart was up there with him. Or, you know, eventually went to an analyst role, then went to Florida State and helped out there as well. Um, but, you know, going from there, Ethan, you know, tell us a little bit more about what's happening over there in the Big D and what's what's going on. All right. So I believe about three, four days ago, four, four and a half, five star, whatever the hell you want to call them. Jordan Hudson, SMU's highest ranked commit ever. Obviously, like I just said, commit committed there. And then as of yesterday, I believe, if not today. This man, <clears throat> Chance Biddle, I believe is his name, four-star safety, two of their top commits ever, just committed within the past week. SMU really just stole a guy from Oklahoma, and then after that, it's a guy from the same exact high school, and they just say, you know what, screw it, we're going to SMU. We're not going to Texas, Texas A&M, any Power 5 school. No, we're going to SMU. Yeah, and the crazy thing, crazy thing is, is I just want to take a look back at some of their transfers um, in the past couple of years. They got that quarterback from um, Texas, I believe, um, Shane Bouchelle, uh, who is who is absolutely, um, you know, amazing to be able to grab him and the, what the work he was able to do with SMU took them to a, a winning season for the first time in a long time. Um, looking at their transfers from this past year, getting a guy in I, I, Isaac Slade, Metalia from Oregon, getting Jahari Rogers, a corner from Florida, getting a quarterback that it came over from Georgia, a guy from Missouri, Arizona State, um, North Texas, Texas Tech, two guys from Oklahoma, another guy from Arizona State, and a guy from Auburn. So SMU is not playing around right now, um, not only on the recruiting channel, but mo more, more often than the recruiting up to this point has been through the transfer portal, and they're really killing it. But let's go back over to, over to that recruiting, like you were saying. Um, yeah, like just going, before like we get into 2021, I just want to go skip ahead of year. Yeah, well, I'm looking at 2022 right, right now. They got their two highest players, Chance Biddle and Jordan Hudson, both of which are top 113 in the country. That's insane. Both of which are top 25 players in Texas. And then they're also adding already – for, they're the 40th national team. It's insane. The fact that SMU was able to do that, and then through this year's recruiting class that they're going to be having this year, Preston Stone, a four-star quarterback. How is it that an AAC is able to do this? How is it that any team, especially a team like SMU, not been close to the playoffs, not even touched the top ten? They're getting these players. So first off, you got to give credit to, to Sonny Dykes. Um, so that's the yeah. coach who, who I forgot. You got to give got to give credit to Sonny Dykes and what he's well, been yeah, able to sure. do uh, at all levels of recruiting. I mean, recruiting goes to transfers as well. You got to recruit those transfers to come in. Um, but you steal two guys for both four stars, like you mentioned, top twenty guys in the state of Texas to be able to come and play for SMU. He is legitimately building this program from the ground up. You remember SMU a while back had to go through all that death penalty stuff. One of those teams that had to deal with that, you know, it's not easy to come back for that. And it's not easy to get guys on, on the train after that's already happened. SMU used to be a powerhouse. 
if you remember or you know are, are a huge college football fan, you know SMU used to be a huge powerhouse football team, national championships. They were in the conversation for that every single year, and then they got knocked down by, you know, obviously the death penalty. Now they're trying to work their way back, and they're gaining a lot of momentum. Guys are starting to look at them instead of a Texas or an Oklahoma or you know, a Texas Tech or a Texas A&M. Well, to be very fair, Caleb, if I'm a recruit and I'm looking at Texas, Texas Tech, Oklahoma, Texas A&M, I'm not seeing playoff success. So I'm, if I'm a Texas recruit, I'm a top one. I'm looking at Ohio State, Clemson, Alabama. Right. And then also, like we had mentioned or we had talked about with Rayshon earlier about the expansion of, of the playoffs into a 12 team. And like Ethan mentioned about the lack of success with those other teams, why not give yourself a better opportunity with what's coming forward now with the expansion of the playoffs within the AC where it is winnable? And it could be won by anybody. You don't have your upper level powerhouses. I mean, obviously, in recent years, you can say Cincinnati, UCF, those, right? But then you look outside of that, and it could be a variance at any moment. You know, at any time, one of these teams. I mean, people were talking about SMU maybe doing it a couple years ago with Shane Bouchel. Um, So, like, maybe they were going to go undefeated. So, there's a lot here for these guys to be able to work with. So, I think it can be a, a nice can and eye candy piece for them. Hmm. SMU has an opportunity to be able to fill to one of these spots once we do expand to that. Yet, I get that we are a few years away from that happening, but a lot of these guys that you're starting to see come in now will probably be seniors at that point, you know, when that happens. So at most of these smaller schools, like an SMU, most of these guys stay all four years, right? They don't right. necessarily leave after three. So you look at it from that perspective. I'm Obviously, I, I put in two – you know, I thought about it. I was like, well, what about these guys leaving early? And then you think most of these guys who go to these schools, the Cincinnati's, the SMU's, the UCF's, unless they are, you know, next level players, like, I don't know who you want to talk about, like Dylan Gabriel uh, for UCF or, or guys of that nature who are obviously going to leave, then these guys are going to have chances to be able to get into that college football playoff and make an actual name for themselves and be seen on national television. For sure. And something I want to bring up just because I love talking about it. This kind of brings back my whole in-state recruitment argument. Oh, it won't work. They'll go to the top schools. SMU's not the top school in Texas. Not even close. Right. And you see them starting to nab some of these guys. I mean, in 2022, I mean, right now they're only the 48, you know, national ranking. It is early. It's June. We can still, or July, excuse me. So we still have another five, five and a half months until early signing day. Well, which is pretty much, you know, signing day at this point, because most kids do decide to sign on early national signing day. So we right. are, you know, more than a few months out for that. But at the same time, if you can gain any type of traction this early and get guys to commit, it tells a lot about the way that the program is headed. So, you know, if you're able to get these guys on campus, get them on, especially after the dead period and get them on campus Show them what you're about. I mean, if you guys look at these recruiting um, pictures that guys like Chase Biddle and, and Jordan Hudson have put out from SMU, they've got a sweet setup for their, their recruiting pictures. They've got the neon horse with the big D going on in the background. Like, it's a pretty legit setup. SMU is no joke, and they're coming, you know. I have no reason to doubt that SMU is going to be at the top of the AAC for years to come moving forward. Oh, yeah, for sure, and especially the conference realignment coming up. If 
what people say is true. UCF goes to either what ACC, SEC. They're not going to Big Twelve. They're going. They're probably going to ACC because it's the weaker conference. And then Cincinnati screwed in that aspect because they gotta go Big Ten. There's no other like you can argue ACC, but that's not happening. They're not gonna add two new teams there. They go to Big Ten. They get they're screwed. Yeah, I mean, you've seen it with Maryland. You know, Maryland switching over from, I mean, even what they were in the ACC and then they switched over to Big Ten. They, it's just not the same. You, you mean, you're even lower on the totem pole now. Right. And in reality, Cincinnati needs to not just rely on their development. They're going to really have to rely on building up each and every single recruit, getting like – all right, we just got a high three-star. Let's get an even higher player. Let's get a four-star now. They need to – in order to compete with – you know, I'm not even going to say Ohio State, Wisconsin, they're going to really need to just get that – beat Iowa. They're going to beat out Iowa for the, their four-star lineman, or not really lineman because they're not going to beat out Iowa. They're going to need to beat out for the four-star quarterback out of Wisconsin, out of Michigan, out of Michigan State. They're going to yeah. need to beat out all these players that the other schools are known for. And they're going to have to make their own name for each position that they're key on, which as of right now is safety, quarterback, tight end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I, I completely agree. Um, shout out to our guy, Matt, for tuning in. As always, he's in here every Wednesday night. We're doing great, Matt. We just had an awesome interview with a USF defensive lineman, Rashawn Yates. Um, if you guys, if you want to go back and watch that, it was at the beginning of our episode, last about 15 minutes. Great little small talk with him. Um, local guy in Tampa. Um, traveled up from Port St. Lucie from his hometown. Um, great guy overall, very well-spoken, so really enjoyed his time with us. So go back and watch that, Matt, if you haven't already. Um, but, yeah, Ethan, there's there's a whole lot that's going to be changing here in college football. We've talked about it up to this point. But um, sticking on SMU, you know, the previous year in 2021, they were ranked 51 overall in national recruiting. This year they're already ahead of that curve at 48, and you can only see them to start to move up. I feel like they're going to gain some traction with now these two four-stars you know, solidified, locked into them, and they can only help with recruiting purposes for them. You know, you get those big name stars, those big stars in there, and they can help recruit guys that, you know, might not have even thought about SMU to begin with. And they can be like, hey, let's go build something at this school. Forget Texas, forget Texas Tech. We're going to, you know, start this thing in SMU, and we're going to give Oklahoma a run for their money for the best team, you know, in this area that a lot of people go to. So, um, I, I'm really liking what they're doing. They're ranked number two in the AC, AAC right now in the rankings heading into um, early July. So uh, I'm really liking what SMU is doing, really liking what Sonny Dykes is doing. Um, like I mentioned before, Jim Levin on the defensive end or the defensive coordinator position um, just brought in a transfer as well from or- an Oregon linebacker, um, from a transfer linebacker from Oregon, excuse me, that's a better way to put it, um, who he previously worked with at Oregon. So this guy knows – Jim Levitt, Jim Levitt knows him. They know it's going to fit very well. So I expect a lot of big things from SMU moving forward, especially when it comes to recruiting. And they've been recruiting the hell out of the transfer portal. So, um, you know, that recruiting goes both ways, transfer portal and, you know, recruiting from high school kids. For sure. And honestly, this kind of brings up the question. If SMU and all these other, you know, smaller group of five schools are able to get the talent and then actually use it correctly and win games, do you start taking down some of these, you know, higher power five schools and shrink them almost to group of five level? Like, does Rutgers really deserve 
to be in the Big Ten? Does Arkansas, as of late, deserve the SEC? Does Vanderbilt deserve the SEC for football? I'd say no, personally. Like, I'm not sure, but I would right. not if you, demote, if you demote Vanderbilt, put UCF in there, see what they do. They might be able to get more than, I don't know, one win a year. Right, right. And, yeah, it's it's understandable. Like, a conference realignment, I think, is, is probably in dire need at this point, Um, just based off of what the group of five has been able to do. There's a lot of good teams, like we have mentioned before, UCF. Um, you mentioned uh, Cincinnati. We're talking about SMU right now. Um, you look at you look you look at USF. Maybe not quite up to that level, but they have been at one point in time. Um, then you can also look at a Memphis. Uh, Memphis is also one of those really good teams in in, in the group of five. So um, and there's teams in in other conferences that don't necessarily live up to that bill. You know, you're talking about Vanderbilt, talking about Maryland. Um, there's teams like that in every single conference that. A lot of people can look at it and be like, maybe they don't belong here. You know, it's an automatic win on everybody's schedule. You know, I mean, it's hard. Yeah. It, I hate to say that, but like you, you play a Vanderbilt, it's an automatic win. You play a Maryland, yeah. probably not as much as an automatic win as a Vanderbilt, but it, it's but, right there, you know? So it's one of those things, you right. know, Nebraska's same thing, you know, it, it, it's everywhere. And you can even There's go to the top you got your same teams that do the same thing. So here's an idea. What if every eight years you do a conference realignment? Obviously, it's harder, but, like, you could pitch ten years if you want to be even, but eight years. You get two four-year recruiting cycles for all the kids. If a Power 5 school can't do what they are able should be doing at the Power 5 level, you demote them to group of five, and you bring up a, the closest group of five. Sure. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be afraid of that. But and, and, like, we always talk about how the college football landscape changes because of – the NCAA or certain rules that are in place. But ultimately a lot of the shift in, in talent level um, comes down to the play on the field. Right. So it comes down to the coaches. It comes down to the players. And if players want to go somewhere else, because there's coaches there that are, are, you know, making a connection with these players and are good coaches and can put a great product on the field, then that changes the landscape. Like you're talking about with SMU. SMU is not that great five years ago. They weren't even you wouldn't even talk about SMU five years ago. Nobody would talk about SMU. And now all of a sudden here we are talking about SMU. So it can change in a matter of a blink of an eye in three years or so. So, you know, I like eight. That sounds good. Eight years, two or you know, two, four year recruiting cycles, see what happens, and then you know, go from there and realign. Now, is that necessarily the best when it comes to contract negotiations with teams or for university purposes or things of that nature. Maybe not. Maybe not. Most likely not. You know, for sure, all of the smaller power five teams are going to would be pissed. You know, the Illinois of the world, because I'm not going to leave my team out of it. We suck sometimes. Emphasis on sometimes, but you know what? Uh, Yeah. They're going to be upset about that because if they know that, but here's the thing. If you know you're at risk, and like if you say we're going to demote the bottom two teams in each conf- each Power Five conference and raise the top two in every Group of Five conference, ranked ranked overall through that eight year process, I would assume. Yeah. Right? Like- oh yeah, of course. I see no reason why you're not telling these teams, like these Power Five teams, oh it's okay, we don't need to put the money in there because I don't know. That's an embarrassment. 
if you're really that low on the totem pole over an eight-year span and you can get anything together, I when's the last time Vanderbilt won a bowl game? You want to check that for me really quickly? Yeah, I, I will. Yeah, I'm sorry. If you really think that a Power 5 team, Vanderbilt's known for baseball, but, like, you got, you got to put one winning season together. You shouldn't be the school that's known for beating one FCS team and then getting blown out of the water every single other game. You have it there for me yet or no? I'm trying to find it. I'm not seeing a whole lot. I mean, it's been a while since they've even been yeah. in a bowl game, so it's kind of hard to go and find that because there's not a whole lot. Because I'm trying to look, and it's just not a whole lot popping up. You know, I think I found one. They won the last one in 2013. Okay. Against Houston, the BBVA Compass Bowl, 41-24. And then in 2018, apparently in 2016, they also made it. Which they can do, you know. I mean, I mean, but you got to look at the head coaches there at the time. I mean, right. the head coaches that were successful there have been um, Derek Mason and um, James Franklin. Those have been the two most successful coaches at Vanderbilt that I have ever seen. Um, and they both got, you know, promotions. They both went somewhere else to be in a better situation. And I mean, look what James Franklin's been able to do with Penn State as a prime example. James Franklin's a great head coach, but even when he was at Vanderbilt, he still couldn't get it to that level. You know, it's not going to ever be at that level for a team like Vanderbilt because the main focus at Vanderbilt is academics first. Like, let's not get that wrong. Like, academics come first, and even to play football there, you have to be able to meet a certain criteria of GPA and everything to be able to play football there. So that's an academics first school. I mean, you have to have that happen with every school, but the level of academic – achievement that you have to have coming out of high school to be able to go play at Vanderbilt is extremely high and more times than not, you know, I don't want to, you know, put this as a general, you know, thing more times than not guys who are academically higher, you know, aren't necessarily as focused on their, you know, sports career or their athletic career moving forward. Do they obviously want to play? Yeah. Does it turn out for him fine? Okay, absolutely. You look at guys like Jay Cutler, prime example. You know, coming out of Vanderbilt, had a successful you know NFL career. So I mean, it happens. How was it successful? It's Jay. Cutler. It was somewhat successful. Uh, you know, he he did okay. He did okay. He did better than probably a whole lot of other Vanderbilt football players who ever came out of there. So I mean, there's there's a whole lot of things that can go that can be talked about. But it's like also at the end of the day, if you do do these conference realignments. And some of these schools are like, well, it's just not going to work. We're just going to cut the football program. You know what? Do we start seeing a minimization of, of the football programs in college football? Because of that, we're going to put our money elsewhere. Using Vanderbilt as an example, again, if it's not successful for years after years after years after years, and then you get demoted and then you're in a conference that you you still aren't successful in, what says them from being like, screw putting money into the football program Let's put all our money into basketball and and baseball and every other sport and then make those be the most successful as they are, which they already are. Right. Or or can have the opposite effect and they end up putting more money into it because let's be honest here. If you take money out of the program because it's doing bad, you're not gonna be successful 
because you take money out. You have to keep putting more in and give them more resources to use. Like Vanderbilt's not successful. Truthfully, I think that they'll probably have they'd have to go where where do you go from there? Sunbelt, Mac? Yeah, somewhere like that. Like here, I'm gonna go look at SEC standings. So if you just look at SEC standings football from last year, let's see, just taking a nice quick look at this. The worst teams. Oh, would you say that we're going this by conference or overall record? Um, I would go overall. All right. Because uh, out of conference games, out of conference games mean a lot. They do mean a lot. All right. Yeah. All right. So in that case, Vanderbilt, South Carolina are gone. In that case. So let's demote them to the Sun Belt. Right? Would you say that that's fair instead of the Mac? Yeah. Sun Belt yeah. So if you do that and you take the football team, you end up with, let's see, Louisiana Monroe, not Monroe, my bad, Lafayette. <laughs> I like Lafayette, not Monroe. And then you have Coastal Carolina. Obviously, this is just going off last season, not the past eight years. We're going off the past eight years. It'd be Appalachian State and like probably Troy, to be honest with you. But no, you also think who was back in there? MTSU used to be in there. Um, yeah, exactly. So I'm saying if we're just going off last year, you take yeah. Coastal, you take Louisiana, and then you move them up, and then if you put them in the SEC, although in reality you're probably going to have to figure out like rank the bet. You put the best group of five teams. Put them in the yeah, I feel like there would be it wouldn't be like one switch for another. You know, there's right. obvious other conference that conferences that would need to be aligned. Right. I'm just putting this one in there because we we were talking about Vanderbilt. So Vanderbilt, South Carolina gets demoted. In reality, South Carolina does get enough recruits that they would probably bounce back up eventually. But like, hell, I wouldn't be surprised. Like you're seeing Tennessee, Kentucky's on the rise. Missouri's iffy, but you see right. Missouri. Missouri's on the line. I would say Missouri would be on the line. Missouri, like Mississippi State, Arkansas, Ole Miss, like all they're good. Louisiana, Coastal Carolina, they're competing like hell. And after that big year, if they go to the SEC, if either one of these two teams make a bowl game in the SEC their first year, they start getting more big recruits. Yeah. They bring in, bring in, bring in. And over those eight years, if they can just build something up to where they're a mid-tier SEC team, they're gonna they're gonna get better recruits. If you can get even higher to where you're the competing, you're the Georgia, Florida level, even better. Is that likely? Not necessarily, but as of right now, Louisiana's the best football team in Louisiana. So, yeah, I mean, you, you can go so many different directions. Um, I mean, if we wanted to deep dive into it, yeah. you know, we we definitely could. But you know, just going off the cuff here, um, that's probably as much information as we can go off of, you know, we, right. we don't have time to do that, you know, live on air or anything like that. Um, but for, you know, the last couple minutes, Ethan, um, I kind of want to, I know we've talked about it the past two weeks and that's um, the NIL, the name image likeness stuff. We've talked about it before it came down. We talked about it right before it was about to come down in the news that broke. And we haven't been able to talk about what's happened since. You know, we haven't been able to dig into what's going on. I don't know if you're familiar or I've seen a lot of the things that guys are doing. I'm sure you have. Um, we've seen things from Bo Nix being immediately at, at midnight on Wednesday night and going into the first, you know, signing a deal with Milo Sweet Tea. 
Um, you know, guys like uh, Mackenzie Milton and um, De'Eric King from Miami coming together to be co-CEOs of a of a company called Dreamfield um, that is going to be a champ is going to be championing for athletes through a safe and compliant NIL marketplace. And the co-founders are Mackenzie Milton and De'Eric King, obviously. So they're kind of just creating a, a whole different things for, you know, other players to join and, you know, kind of create a, I don't even know what to call it, just a kind of group to where they can go out, help out, reach out, reach, help these athletes reach other opportunities ultimately is what they're doing. And so creating that, they obviously brought in business guys to be able to run the, the thing with the CEOs and things of that nature, which is an awesome accomplishment for them to be able to find or, you know, go ahead and found. Um, it's awesome. And then you see Barstool get involved. Like we mentioned earlier with Rayshon, um, he's now a Barstool athlete. Um, Amari Gaynor is a Barstool athlete. There's a lot of people out, out there that are becoming Barstool athletes as well. And to be very just, fair. Sorry? Just, to be very fair, all you need to do is play college, send them an email to look up to. They're just trying to get everyone right. out there. Right, and I understand that. And what what the, what these companies like Barstool and what the company Dreamfield Co, Co is, which is the one with Derek King and Mackenzie Milton is, is that they're trying to find opportunities for these student athletes to be able to use their name, image, and likeness to profit off of it. No matter what it is, it can be a, a, a wide range of things. I mean, some of these athletes are rowers. Some of these athletes are tennis players. Some of these athletes are gymnasts. Some of these athletes are track stars. Like it's a wide range of things and they're all good at different things. All of these kids are just like everybody else. They have a wide range of interests, right? So right. whether that's, whether that's uh, getting into the NFT game, whether that's, you know, getting into, you know, I forget who did it the other day, but they signed a sponsorship with Raising Cane's, um, which is a huge um, in, in, in fast food restaurant in the South. Um, so it, it's, you know, not necessarily things that they're interested in, but it's ways for them to make money and market themselves. Um, right. You see more of the big name players getting getting deals like that. But right. then you look outside of that, all these small name players, they're still getting, you know, these these opportunities through Barstool, through a dream field company like like that to be able to find opportunities for them whether that's music uh, i i read some the other day some offensive lineman or something is now going to be able to you know sing country music because that's what he does he wasn't able to do it before now he can put out singles right. now he can do all this so after the you know we spoke about it before what are your thoughts do you think it's getting a little too out of hand i know a lot of people have had you know takes on that saying hey this is already getting out of hand and it's just started. But to me, I don't think it's necessarily out of hand. I think the, these kids need opportunities, no matter who they are. And if some of them get better opportunities than others, so be it. But no matter what money's being put in your pocket, at least a little bit more than you're already getting is nice. Agreed. Like, here's the thing, though. I will say this. I interviewed Akron's quality and control coach for my other podcast. He has a tweet out there that I really want to say. Like, I agree with him on this. You want to capitalize on the NIL, you better be really good at football and something else. Rapping, dancing, stock tips, comedy, video games, fitness, cooking. Why do you follow accounts? Because you're passionate and you want to find others that are too. Like in reality, if you're not a big name guy, you're not getting these huge brand sponsors. There might be a podcast like us where like you're able to charge them. Certain players might start doing that. All right, whatever. Like, But you, if you want to use your account, you need to be good at something else. 
it's going to be really hard for smaller time players to do that. Luckily, the USF Tampa market, Yates, Mr. Yates is a okay. Like, but if you go down to I don't know New Mexico State, you think I need New? Me- you think there's a whole lot of stuff down in Albuquerque, wherever it is located? Right. No, nah, not really. So it, it's opportunistic. Um, ultimately, you know, you take your opportunities where where they they rise, and you could even see that start to swivel towards kids going to places that have bigger markets like a USF because it's in Tampa, tons of opportunity in Tampa. You could see kids going even to Vanderbilt, you know, because it's in Nashville, it's right there, tons of opportunity. You could see kids move, start moving up north, going to Syracuse because up north there's tons of opportunities because there's just an overwhelming wealth of it. So that could be an instance of what happens, but you're right. Uh, I completely agree with, with that statement that the Akron coach said. So, I mean, if you don't have an ability or some sort of hobby or thing that you're into, be what hard. are you going to do? But, I mean, most of us do. You know, most of us don't sit on our ass all day and do nothing. You know, we have something I, that we're <laughs> – we have, we have something you're interested in, like, like, like people were saying, video games or something like that. For you, it's podcasting. For you, it's sports. That's it. You know, there's kids out there that love to do that. <coughs> Excuse me. Going through a little bit of cold and sinus problem right now, so I, I apologize. But um, there, I mean, there's kids that like to write. You know, there, I, I've already seen kids in, in basketball specifically. You know, sign deals with with companies such as not necessarily fan sided, but you know, things similar to that. Signing deals with them to be able to blog, which is ultimately writing about their experiences in, in their respective sports or their respective team and what's going on. So, I mean, there's all kinds of different opportunities. I mean, look what, I don't know if you saw the Dylan Gabriel or Dylan Gibbons stuff. Um, the Florida, the former Notre Dame offensive lineman transferred to Florida state and he put to, for him to use his name and image and likeness, what he did is created a GoFundMe for one of his good friends who has some serious, you know, problems and illnesses that he can't really control and he really has built a relationship with this guy and Dylan Dylan Gibbons wants him to come to the Notre Dame Florida State game because he originally met him at Notre Dame and then you know he transferred here to Florida State and of course that's a perfect time to do it why not try and bring him down to see Florida State versus Florida State hit Dylan's current team against his former team and have your friend that you've created this relationship with that has all these issues that is not able to do it. Not only that, but his family is probably up to their heads in medical expenses. And he started a GoFundMe for it. Players in the past weren't able to even start a GoFundMe for anything. You know, because of the because of the rules, you weren't able to use your name, image, or likeness even for good. Now they're being able to use it for instance like that, start a GoFundMe. He started. He set it at thirty thousand just to get him down. Flight expenses, travel, stay, you know, tickets, all that cost a lot of money. Not to mention all the things that you have to put in place for somebody who has things that they can't travel normally like a normal person. So it's more expensive. Obviously, people can look at that and be like thirty thousand to you know travel from one place to another for a football game. It's it's bigger than that for somebody who who has issues and can't make it. Sure. And it, it raised over 30000 in less than 24 hours. Like, seeing something like that happen from name, image, and likeness really, you know, hit home. 
with me because I, I love that stuff. I love when you see those stories, you know, it makes you almost come to tears. So seeing something like that happen is amazing. And, and he just, you know, he was so overwhelmed with joy and he was like, I'm in tears about this happening and how quick it happened. And I didn't expect this and things of that nature, but that's what happens when you give kids the ability to be able to go and do these things. Are people or kids honestly going to go out and try to make money? Obviously, because most kids, that's what they're thinking about. You know, let's make the most money we can. But then you have guys like a Dylan Gibbons that is going to be able to do something great with their name, image, and likeness. And that's something that is not only going to take money for him to get down here, but you're giving money to his family to help with the debt that they're most likely in from all those past surgeries and, and everything that the kid has had to go through. You know, like you're helping helping a family out and that's amazing to be able to right. see on mine like a couple of years you remember like tyler strong with purdue that thing mm -hmm. yeah imagine if nil came out every single player could have posted something instead of just the university like obviously a lot of people already donated to help him like imagine with the nil this is going to have so many different passionate fan bases Iowa has the Iowa wave to the to the children's hospital. That would be huge. If something happens with one of those kids, they can, and they're close with one of them. All right, we're back. Uh, yeah, we're back. Uh, <laughs> did you get did you get everything out, or you want to keep yeah. going? All right, you're up. Oh yeah. Okay. So, uh, I mean, yeah, sorry. We, we lost it for a second there with, with the Wi-Fi or whatever was going on. But yeah, I think, I think ultimately, you know, just, just an overview, I think ultimately this is going to do way more good than it is going to do bad. Um, you know, you're obviously going to run into your obstacles as you do with anything, but at the end of the day, it's going to be good, not only for players, but people outside of players. And that's been, you know, exam exemplified by, you know, Dylan Gibbons first off, he, he, it went mainstream it really blew up on the internet. It was crazy. So I, I'm very excited to see the future of the NIL, how it changes, how it progresses. But once, if the NCAA starts setting limits, then you can start seeing problems arise. Um, right now, I think we're okay. But also those limits could come into benefit. It's, you know, to be seen. Um, we don't know yet. But right now, as of now, I, I am absolutely loving everything that's going on. I think it's a great thing for these student athletes. I think it's a great thing for people who, are just associated with these student athletes, family members, friends. Um, they're going to be able to benefit off it as well. I think it's just an overall great thing. I 100% agree with you. Yeah, and uh, anything else you want to, you know, get off your chest or anything, Ethan, before we go ahead and log off for the night? Honestly, no, not really. This was a great episode. I'll be honest with everyone. This entire thing was unplanned besides that interview. We just went right off our heads, and we did a great job. So I hope you all enjoyed this. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the interview was planned. Um, it was, there's a lot of moving parts for that as well. Um, some things out of our control, um, but you know, we made it, we made it work. We had our questions. Um, we had a great interviewee in Rashawn Yates, defensive lineman out of USF. He's going to be a senior, but he also has that next year of eligibility. So you could see him playing for two more years at USF. Um, nice defensive line guy brings a lot of passion, very well-spoken man. We appreciate him coming on. Absolutely. Um, we also talked about, you know, a little bit of conference realignment when it comes to smaller schools like AAC and then not so good teams and power conferences like SEC, like Vanderbilt um, or, or teams like that. 
We talked about SMU specifically about what they have been able to do on the recruiting trail. And then at the end here, we just dropped a little bit of, you know, what's going on from the NIL after the fact that it has been pushed through and approved by the NCAA and all the things that are going on with that. With that being said, guys, I want to thank you all for coming in here and joining us. Of course, if you have been watching us, you have seen the ticker go down at the bottom, giving you all of our sponsorships. Head over to mybookie.ag and use code USN100 for double your first deposit. Put in $50, get $50 of free play. A lot of stuff, a lot of sports going on, NBA Finals specifically, um, Stanley Cup tonight. So get in there and maybe a little bit, 10 minutes before a game. Head over to rxhemp.com, use code rxhemp-usn for 10% off every single one of your purchase, guys. It is an all-natural CBD pain relief cream. It's an amazing. Head over to our shop at teespring.com backslash stores backslash unwrapped. Get all of your favorite unwrapped gear, whether it's a t-shirt, a hoodie, a sticker, whatever it may be. I think we even have fanny packs. You guys are into fanny packs. You like to go to you know amusement parks or everything like that. Head over there to teespring.com backslash stores backslash unwrapped. Get all your favorite merch there. And then also go to our Patreon. Head over to patreon.com. Look up Unwrapped Sports. Join us. We have a $5 and a $10 tier where you're able to get access to a 24-7 Discord that has exclusive gambling picks in there. Our guy, Prop Money, Corey, always putting out some, some hammers when it comes to um, um, gambling picks and everything like that. Also, at the $5 level, you get a entered into an Amazon gift card giveaway. At the $10 level, you get entered into a jersey or memorabilia giveaway. And that's not only just a jersey or memorabilia item. Those are signed jersey or memorabilia items. So $10 a month gets you into that running for each of those giveaways, guys. We really appreciate you for tuning in. Thank you, Ethan, for being a great co-host, for getting, you know, Sean on here. I couldn't have done it without you, man. You pretty much were the backbone to that whole thing. So thank you again. Of course. Working on a couple more for next week. Yes, sir. We're going we're gonna to keep pumping this stuff out for you guys. And we appreciate you coming in and look forward to seeing you next week. This has been another edition of Saturday Standouts.